near-death experience. Discover a profound glimpse of heaven, unveiling unprecedented. My name is Aaron Thomas Green, and uh, when I was about six years old, uh, shortly before my sixth birthday, I was in some neighbor's backyard playing with some friends. You know, we were just, uh, there was maybe uh, five or six of us, including my brother, and we were, uh, you know, doing whatever kids do, just playing, having a good time. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but somehow I, I developed a difficulty breathing. No matter what I did, I couldn't take a breath. Um, I, I couldn't breathe normally, and it was, uh, you know, becoming, becoming a problem. Um, so I started to walk towards home, and I got maybe uh, 20 feet away from my friends. And, um, you know, I still couldn't breathe. And I, was, I was very upset. And I, I didn't pass out, but my, my consciousness came out of my body. You know, I, me, whatever it is that I am, me, my soul, whatever, it left my body and I, I watched as my body fell to the ground. And, um, you know, I was just floating there above my body, looking at, at it just laying on the ground and I could look back and I, I saw my friends, um, they were still playing, they didn't know anything was, was really wrong with me. Um, and almost immediately I had a, uh, like my, my entire life replayed for me. You know, the, the, the entire six years of my life, they basically flashed in front of me um, in, a, in complete detail, like nothing was left out. And, um, you know, it, it seemed very brief. It, you know, it was six years, I was only about six years old. And um, one thing that really stood out was, you know, not only did I re-experience everything that I had been through, but also I could feel, uh, what my parents had been through raising me, like like how I had acted, like I could feel that that impact to my parents and their life. And uh, a, a couple of things really stood out from that. One was, you know, my mother. She she loved me, and uh, you know that that love I could I could feel it in in that life life review. And um, you know, it stood out that that was important that she loved me. And then also, uh, you know, my, my father. He, he was a good father, but the the frustration I caused him. You know, being a kid, you know, uh, crying and, and having dirty diapers and all this stuff. Like, I could feel his frustrations of, uh, you know, the, the difficulties of having a baby. Um, so that, that those two really stood out. But, um, you know, overall, it felt like I had done almost nothing. It, you know, it had been six years, but as a kid, I hadn't made any important decisions or uh, done anything significant, I guess. So it, it, it felt like a really, really short amount of time, those six years. Um, but, you know, after that life review was over, I, I was just back to, to floating there uh, next to my body. And I noticed a light way in the distant. Um, you know, it looked kind of like a star, but I knew that it, it wasn't a star. And um, I knew that there was something really important about that light, um, but I, I didn't know what. I, I, there was just something familiar about it. And um, I didn't go towards the light or anything like that, but I definitely noticed the light. And, uh, you know, I, I turned my attention elsewhere and I was just back to, uh, you know, floating there next to my body. And, uh, you know, I started to just thinking, like like trying to understand what was going on around me. And, and you know, floating there as a, as a soul without a body, um, you know, a couple of things really stood out. One was that like the, the flow of time was different than it is as a person. It just, 
just felt like uh, it, it wasn't the same. And then, like I was, I was more intelligent. I, I was uh, more comfortable. It was, it was a, a more pleasant form of existence, just, just kind of floating there. Um, but one of the first thoughts I had was, you know, what am I? You know, because I was used to being a person, and here now I'm just kind of floating around. I was like, you know, what's going on? What, what am I? And um, it was like I could see myself. I, I was able to see myself as I just, as I floated there, and I was kind of a, a round orb. Uh, of with a, fl- a faint light coming from, from it, um, you know, just just like a, a round orb of, of energy, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, I didn't really understand exactly what it was, except it was kind of like a round ball uh, with with a faint light coming out of it. Um, and uh, then I, I I started to have questions, and I, as I would have questions, like the answers would, would come to me. Um, and uh, for some of these, there would be like um, it would be like a memory, you know, I'd have a question and like a memory would come back to me, but this was like a spiritual memory. Um, so it was, it was more significant and, and more real than, uh, um, but like, like when, you know, when we think of something that happened in the past, we remember it, but, but as a spirit, when the same thing kind of happened, uh, it would be in, in extreme detail and very clear. And it was, it was as if I was reliving the entire, uh, event. So anyway, one of the first questions I had was, um, you know, where did I come from? And uh, this memory replayed, and I I had been um, in a in a, gr- a group with other souls, you know, as like a round orb, and there was there was a couple hundred or a couple thousand of us together, and we were like in this bathed in light. I, I would kind of call it like a, a sea of light. Uh, we were all together. We were happy. Um, but we were also uh, ignorant and inexperienced. Like we, we were, it was like we were new. Um, and, you know, we, we just existed in this, in this happy uh, pool of light. Uh, and periodically, um, some kind of gift or uh, present would come down to us. And we were all very happy to receive one of these. Um, as a kid, it kind of reminded me of, of getting a cookie. Um, anyway, you know, one time these gifts came down and there was one fewer gift than there were souls in this in this group. And we all understood that and we all knew that. And uh, I made the conscious decision, you know, all these other souls around me, they're just like me and they all want this thing. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on, on this gift. I'm gonna let everyone else have one and I'm, I'm not gonna take one. And when the last soul received the, the last gift, I was very gently lifted up out of this pool and, and like a higher level consciousness contacted me, uh, like mind to mind communication and, uh, essentially said, you know, what you did was, was, uh, was very important, you know, to, to sacrifice what you want for those around you. Uh, that's, that's very important. And it means that you're ready to, uh, you're ready for the next phase of your existence, kind of something like that. Um, and I was like, well, okay. Um, and this, this higher level entity that contacted me said it was my creator and that it had made me and that I was, I was important and that I was, I was loved and that there was a wonderful existence that, uh, that was prepared for me. Um, and that, uh, you know, in order to enjoy that existence, I had to go through something like I wasn't ready yet to appreciate everything that was, that was prepared for, for me and for, for all these other souls. Um, so I, I'll just call this my creator. I'll, I'll call him God for uh, 
you know, that, that's kind of how I see it. And God basically uh, was extremely loving, uh, very gentle and, and kind with me, um, very powerful and extremely confident that this plan that God had worked out was, was a good plan. Like, um, it was clear that God had really thought through every detail, uh, every little part of this plan had been considered and, and thought about, and that, uh, you know, it was necessary and, and, you know, it was a good plan. And, and anyway, um, essentially, as, as I understood it, you know, God was loving, kind, compassionate, forgiving, and that in order for me to appreciate everything that God had in store for us, that I needed to, uh, of my own free will, become kind, compassionate, loving, forget forgiving. You know, I needed to um, grow myself to, um, to to also have those same traits that, that God had. Uh, like like uh, that that was how I would be able to appreciate everything that that was in store for for us. I asked God, you know, couldn't you just change me? And make me so that I could appreciate all this stuff. You know, why would why do I need to go through this this process that you, you have planned out? And God explained that that we were all created with free will, and that free will is extremely important, and that God's not going to uh, you know supersede or, or override or force us to do anything because uh, God respected our free will, and that uh, for God to change us rather than us change ourselves. It would be a violation of the of the very reason why we were created in the first place. We were created uh, to be able to think for ourselves and make our own decisions, and that somehow that was uh, that was very important. So anyway, uh, you know, God God asked if I was willing to go through this, this difficult journey, but that that would um, you know I would get I would get all the difficult parts of my existence out of the way very quickly, and then I would be able to enjoy uh, my existence. And I, I agreed, I, I, you know, I guess it sounded like a, a good plan. I didn't know any, any different. Um, and God was very pleased that I agreed, agreed to, uh, to go through this. And uh, um, God asked, uh, you know, do you want to see my face? Uh, and I said, okay, sure. And so my attention shifted away. I, I had been looking at all these other souls that I'd been with, and my attention was shifted away um, to a giant sun-like entity with uh, like billions and billions of, of souls all together um, in, in one group. And, um, uh, you know, it kind of looked like a giant sun, only there was billions and billions of, of different souls all in there together. And some of these souls would come to the surface and, and say hi to me, basically. And so, you know, they were like me, except they had gone through this experience that I was about to go through. And these souls were all extremely, extremely happy, way, way happier than the, the souls I had been with. And they were knowledgeable and they were happy that I would be joining them eventually um, when I was ready. They told me that, you know, eventually when I was ready, I would, I would come back and join them. And I, and I was like, okay, um, sure. Um, and then, you know, God asked me one more time, are you sure you're willing to go through this? And, you know, are you ready? And I said, yeah, uh, okay, I'm ready. And so, when I agreed, it was like I was I was off. I was I was rushing away um, at a at a high speed. Like I don't know where I was going, but I was flying at, at a very high speed, and um, I was. But but I still had the, like the communication with with God, and uh, we saw like thousands and thousands of different planets I could go to, and um, 
you know, it was my choice. Like I was going to choose which of these, all these different planets to go to. And finally, you know, after seeing thousands and thousands of different planets, we saw Earth and there was something about this place. There's something about Earth and this life and, and the way things work here that I really liked. It really somehow it just fit me perfectly. And, and so, you know, I decided, you know, this is where I want to go. And, you know, with any decision I ever made, it was always like one time they would ask or God would ask, um, are you sure? And, you know, when I said, yes, I'm sure, then the decision was made and it was final. And so, you know, I was asked if I was sure. And I said, yes, I'm, I'm sure this is where I want to go. And then that decision was made. Um, and with that, that memory ended. And it's like I was back to, uh, you know, floating there next to my body. And, uh, you know, it only took a fraction of a second for this entire detailed memory to, to, to play, to, to, you know, replay for me. Um, and I was back to floating there and I had another, another question. I, I thought, you know, okay, well, how did I become Aaron? Why, why am I this person? And the same thing happened again, where this detailed memory replayed for me. And, um, I was with some guides who had previously lived on earth and they were, um, they were helping me, you know, figure out what kind of person I was going to become. And they showed me one person that I could become. And uh, th this person was very angry. Like I would have become a very angry person. I think there was something about uh, this this person's uh, family or, or childhood. Um, something wasn't quite right. And, and basically they, their entire life, they would be very angry. And that's, that's how I would be if I uh, agreed to that life. And I said, basically, no, I'm, I'm not gonna live that life. I, I, I didn't agree to it. And the guides were like, all right, okay. Um, and they, then we went to like a nearby family and, uh, there was a, uh, a mom and a dad and a, and a little child. And basically I could become one of their, their child. I could become their second child. And, um, I thought, okay, maybe this will work. And after seeing this, this angry person that I could have become, I was kind of concerned that, that maybe I would hurt other people and I didn't want to hurt anybody. That was extremely important that I, you know, not not hurt anybody. And so I wanted to be a female. I wanted to be a girl because I felt like they were less likely to hurt others. And, um, these parents, they had the, uh, you know, the genes, like I could have been a redheaded girl. And I, I really liked that. I really wanted to be a redheaded girl. I thought that was great. I really, I really liked it that, um, you know, red hair is kind of rare and there's not very many of redhead, redheaded people in the world. And so I really thought that was great. And that's what I wanted to be. Um, but there was something about uh, the options available to these parents and, and my personality and somehow it, it didn't work right. And if I, had, I, I could have chosen to be a redheaded girl, but like I would have been socially awkward. I never would have gotten married. I never would have had children. And like that was, a, that was a, like a deal breaker for me. That wasn't what I wanted. So instead I, I started looking at what, well, you know, what about redheaded boys that, that these parents can have? And there was like even fewer options and, and there just weren't enough options. It, it wasn't, I, I couldn't get the kind of life I wanted uh, from those options. So I said, okay, well, what about, you know, what about brown haired boys? And so my, th these parents had lots and lots of uh, options available from the, the genes that they have for, for brown haired boys. And so we started looking at those and they, they started to look like they, they might work like, like the options available there might be a good fit for me. Um, and so one of the first things I thought was, okay, I want to be like the best looking guy on the planet, you know, extremely good looking, a great looking guy. 
and the these parents had those genes it was, it was a possibility um but my guides kind of showed me look if you know if you become a really good looking guy you're going to have certain options available to you and uh essentially you know women are going to treat you differently and and i basically i would have been too promiscuous okay i would have uh I would have been with too many women and uh, I, I saw instinctively or, or it was self-evident that uh, there were spiritual downsides to being too promiscuous. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the best way to be. And so, you know, I, I, back, I reduced the, uh, the attractiveness down to like a, a closer to average looking person, you know, someone maybe a little bit good looking, but nothing, you know, nothing uh, remarkable. Um, and then, you know, I started looking at intelligence. And I wanted to be like the smartest guy on the planet, you know, like just brilliant. And I was shown that, you know, those options were available to me. Like my parents had that, that kind of genes available, but I would be, uh, I would be arrogant. I would look down on other people for not being as smart as me. I would be a little, a little bit of a jerk, you know, and, uh, um, and I would have been an atheist and all those were, were a deal breaker for me. And so likewise, you know, I, uh, back the intelligence down to like a you know intelligent person but but you know nothing remarkable just like a you know a little bit smart and um you know we i it's safe to say i was able to see you know what kind of body this person would have down to the most intimate detail like the height the eye color everything about this body i understood you know what it was going to be and um you know finally i, I found what i thought would be a, a, a good body and my guides my guides pointed out that you know what i had chosen there was a like a, a consequence you know I, I i finished you know picking my body and then uh you know some more stuff happened and then uh basically my experience was, was hidden from me when i was six years old and i didn't I didn't like remember it or get that experience back until I was 35, you know, between the time I was six and 35, I didn't know about this experience. And then, um, I read a, a newspaper paper article about, uh, someone else who had a near death experience. And that like triggered me to have a, a recall of, of everything I'd experienced. And, um, you know, then as an adult at 35, I was able to understand all this stuff that I had seen as a kid. Um, it was like I was able to, uh, you know, process it and understand what I had seen. So at, at that point, I, uh, I was able to, you know, understand it all. You know, souls get to pick their body. They, uh, they're able to choose, uh, you know, what kind of person they're going to be. And, uh, you know, it kind, of, it, it kind of fits that, you know, God's not going to force the soul to go to, to one person or another. But, you know, people get, or, or souls get to kind of pick and choose uh, what kind of person they'll be. You know what the, the physical traits they're going to have as a, as a person and you know remember when i was choosing all this stuff i wasn't a six-year-old i was i was a, a soul uh before i ever came to to earth uh it was just that i i remembered this as a six-year-old during my near-death experience but when i when i'd actually chosen it um you know i'd been a, a soul and uh you know I, I was more intelligent more uh more aware um than i was as a six-year-old when I was a soul, you know, what I saw was it's extremely important how we treat each other. You know, we need to be kind, compassionate, forgiving, loving, uh, honest, you know, all these good positive traits, like, like to really get what God has in store for us. We have to freely choose 
to be loving towards others, you know, and, and when I say loving, I mean everything like compassionate, kind, giving, uh, you know, all of that stuff. We need to, to practice treating other people like that in order for us to get everything we, we can out of, uh, you know, what, what God has in store for us. Boy, that sounds like a tall order, huh? <laughs> but really think about it. We can write it down as a goal to be kind, compassionate, service. I know we will get burned out. I know we will get discouraged. and uh, But nevertheless, we got to keep going. I think the key is balance, resting enough to get inspired by God where the imagination is fired up again. And then writing down goals and basically a lot of time out. And not being afraid of going back in front among the people that irritate us the most. They're actually are a sign to help us get over that. See if we can pass the test. So let's do it one more time. Let's go ahead and pray for our enemies, the people that irritate us the most. There are our biggest prizes, you know. We don't understand why we have to be irritated, but here's the deal. We thank God for them just the way they are, and we go and check ourselves. For me, which I don't do it as often, is to read 1 John 1, 1 through 5, John 14, 15, 16, before I go to the meeting with the irritant person is at. When I go there, I can probably pass the test easily because I'm full of love, full of joy. Nothing, <clears throat> words won't stick to me. They bounce off my heart, my mind, my soul when I'm full of the Word of God, which I'm full of joy and full of love. And I can feel it, I can sense it, and I'm wise, and I can easily cut down the other person in ridicule, make myself look or make me but. I, I tried my best not to do that so hard that I went the other way, that I don't speak enough. I, don't, I, don't, I got to a point where it gets a little discouraging instead of being heartfelt, enthusiastic, and joyful and help the other people pull out of the nosedive. Because people that are assigned for negativity really have a way of pulling you down, down to almost to a nosedive. They don't care if they'll hit the ground with a nosedive and people get hurt. We do. We care. We have to be lighting the situation up, come up with a lot of stories, be ad adamant, enthusiastic, joyful. Always acknowledge God, Father God and say, well, I just want to thank God, thank Jesus Christ that died for me. He bled for me, so I don't have to bleed. Somewhere or another nature, acknowledging God and being very grateful before we talk, being very grateful at everything we have in our, around us and see if we can get that love burning in our hearts of joy and gratitude and being thankful for our surroundings, thankful for our jobs, our existence. Our life is very quick, very fast. I don't know if you noticed, I saw a movie called The Temptations, one and two, it's just a two-part one, and, um, and sure enough, I just noticed the they came to bring a lot of happiness for four or five years, and then they still try to stick to the, to getting more glory, and, and they just, you know, they had a lot of challenges. So it, it tells me that 
you know, people are there to bring us happiness for a season, you know. Us alcoholics, we want to keep the season alive by drinking and drinking and trying to remember that, but it turns sour and it just starts to turn on you. It doesn't work anymore. I'm just rambling. My first car was a rambling, really, a rambler, and it had no reverse. I was 15 years old, bought my first car. I worked for the money. I didn't get it from my parents. I worked in Douglas, Arizona, picking chilies, $10 a day at 15 years old. Saved my money. Got back to uh, Los Angeles. I bought my own ticket with my own money. And when I got back, I, I bought the car. When I was buying the car, the guy tells me, it doesn't have reverse. And I looked at him. I said, what? Actually, he wanted 150 or more. He gave me a discount, 125 And he goes, and then he tells his buddy, se va rajar. In other words, he's going to back off or, you know, he's not courageous enough to buy it. And I don't want to rajar myself. So I said, no, I'll take it. And I remember taking it to the hills and having to push it back after me and my girlfriend got done necking. You know, she would put the brake on and I would push. It was too close to the car that parked in front of me and I couldn't back off and it was on a hill. So I had to push it back, push it and uh, little by little and we get out of there. Only one gear. Anyway, I said too much. I love you. Thank you so much for hanging in here. Take care.